LegalizeFreedom.com Why are we here? Where do we come from? Where are we going? From the nature of reality to the future of humanity. Listen without limits. Unchain your brain. Change your thinking. Change your life. LegalizeFreedom.com Greetings and welcome once again to LegalizeFreedom.com. I'm your host Greg Moffat and my guest today is Kingsley Dennis, who joins us to discuss the trajectory of technological advancement in an age of disenchantment and despair. The expansion of virtual reality technology along with the increasing complexity and reach of the World Wide Web is driving the development of the Metaverse, a still largely hypothetical upgrade of the internet to a single, universal and immersive virtual world. However, despite enormous technical challenges, to say nothing of the colossal investment involved, the most ardent exponents of the metaverse maintain that their vision of a virtual world indistinguishable from the real thing will soon become reality. A reality in which the limitations of our three-dimensional, five-sense existence can be left behind, where we can live out our fantasies, and ultimately transcend our physical form altogether. But beyond very real concerns about the so-called Internet of Things and this mooted metaverse as a totalitarian tool of technocracy and the Great Reset, what if the possible dangers run much, much deeper? What if the agenda is to cut humanity off from the higher realities which consciousness mediates, which some call spiritual, the loss of which might end our evolution once and for all? Hello and welcome, Kingsley, and thank you so much for joining us once again on LegalizeFreedom.com. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Good to be back speaking with you again. Today, Kingsley, we're going to be discussing a topic or topics that you and I have had a bit of a back and forth about over email. And the headline topic, I suppose, is the development of the metaverse and the Internet of Things, where virtual reality and AI is headed in terms of overall you know, development of society and just you know the trajectory that we're on technologically speaking it's not just uh immersive computer technology there's the technology of you know surveillance and control there's financial technology just uh, so much of our lives is being digitized in one way or another and the metaverse if its exponents have their future vision come to pass it's going to be a huge part of life or you know some alternative to life in the future. Before we jump into that, uh, just for listeners who've not heard you speak before, just give us a little bit of a potted bio. Yeah, sure. Um, well, a brief bio, Greg, is that I'm a, I suppose I'm an ex-academic, uh, to put it crudely. Uh, my earlier part of my life, I was in education and I had worked in academia at a sociology department. And uh, after that, I decided to, to leave academia and um, really go freelance and research my own uh, work. I, I lived and worked over, overseas for a number of years also, and whilst I was interested in, let's say, complexity systems through sociology, I've been much more interested in, in human consciousness and how consciousness affects 
our social behavior and social trends and, and our reality. So in the last number of years, I've been living in, uh, I was living in Andalusia for 12 years and I spent that time to write a number of books looking at, um, I say, the, the shifting social trends and um, those things that impact consciousness and mostly I guess the focus is on reality and how reality affects ourselves and vice versa. So that's, um, and I've just recently, last year, come back to the UK, Greg. I say most people listening should be familiar with the term metaverse, even if they are not completely, um, I don't have it completely nailed down to what it is. Here's a quick definition I just grabbed online. In futurism and science fiction, the metaverse is a hypothetical iteration of the internet as a single, universal and immersive virtual world that is facilitated by the use of virtual reality and augmented reality headsets. Uh, these things are still very expensive, so I wouldn't expect a majority of people listening to have even had an experience of these. Um, in colloquial use, the definition continues, a metaverse is a network of 3D virtual worlds focused on social connection. Maybe you can set out, because you've uh, been been writing on this, you've published articles, you have a book coming out next year which is, features this heavily, why we're having this conversation, basically what we're concerned about. I've got a lot of content Interviews at Legalized Freedom more express concern about the direction of technological development, particularly the recent ones with James Tunney. But maybe just give us your perspective. You know, what is it that's like uh, motivating you? Because we're going to do this in basically two sections. We're going to start looking at technological developments, and then we're going to, in the second part, we'll really focus focus on the more esoteric and metaphysical dimensions of this, which might may surprise a lot of people. Yes, Greg. I mean, uh, technology has a lot of uh, unseen implications, as you said. You know, we live in a, a world which has a physical front stage and a metaphysical backstage, so to speak. And we don't often see how something in life is um, operating through these two realms, physical and metaphysical. And technology has always been uh, promoted to us or presented to us as a very physical thing, you know, and with only physical implications. And as you said, if we get to the metaphysical implications, especially around the metaverse, there's some very um, eye-opening things to discuss there. But on a physical front, um, you know, we've been presented that technology is the way to go forward. And of course, you know, none of us here are really anti-technology. Um, you know, ever since, you know, Prometheus stole the fire, so to speak, um, humanity has had a relationship with um, utilizing external tools, which is technology. Um, but of course, now we get into a stage where we are adapting as a human species and we're in a path where we're going towards, you know, genes, machines and societies are being merged together. And what we've been told again is that <clears throat> something like, uh, the Internet of Things, we've been sold that, uh, for the last decade in a way. It's only coming to, to a kind of, um, a peak now because we have the technology to underpin it. So we, we've been told about the te the Internet of Things, whereby everything is connected. You know, our our smart devices, and now our our utensils, and our fridges, and our homes, our smart meters. And then only recently they've been talking about the Internet of Bodies, whereby we have wearables in our body. We may even have uh, implanted devices that regulate our systems and our um, whatever internal systems and they they will show us our health 
So the Internet of Bodies will then be connected to the Internet of Things. Um, but we see this still. We still are presented with a very physical structure. And I think whereby the metaverse just came out of literally nowhere, you know, just like 18 months ago, it's actually marking a, a, a division whereby the technology is going to get very, let's say, metaphysical or less physical. And that, and that is allowing us to, to actually gain a, a bigger perception of, of the implications of that. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm thinking that we have to talk about and see that. And you, the, the key word you, you mentioned was immersive. Because the technology now is going to blur the lines between what is online and what is offline. In fact, some commentators have, are even using the term on life to show that the merger, we're never going to be totally offline um, anymore. And that's, I think, is something that we need to really get to grips with. The idea or sort of seed of the germ of this sort of idea, I had an experience of actually very early on. It was when I got my first home computer, and it was Commodore 64, and this would have been around 1985, 86. And I do remember that, I don't remember anything about the program, but obviously it was incredibly primitive, but it, the idea was that you were able to explore 3D sort of computer-generated worlds. Again, very, very primitive, so there wasn't much going on. It was mainly a lot of pyramids and, you know, cylinders and, and other geometric shapes in different colors and you were just sort of wandering around a sort of surreal landscape but one of the key i mean i found it absolutely fascinating and i would used to turn out the lights in the room so that only the computer screen was lit up you know because it, it made it more immersive so to speak and one of the main things i remember was that you would be wandering around say past one of these pyramids and you would turn the corner round it and you would just catch the end of the next part of the landscape being generated you know it was that's how slow it was it was just putting it in place and when i read later read theories about the nature of reality you know and the quantum nature of reality the reality we perceive five sense reality is kind of being generated on demand as we go uh, and it raises a lot of very interesting metaphysical and existential questions about about what reality is but yeah in these current developments we see uh, you know, an iteration of that sort of idea that really will have, not currently, but in theory will have the ability to make it almost impossible to distinguish, you know, you and I sat here now, is this real or are we in the simulation? Yeah, and the important thing is, of course, is is you talk about the, I mean, you know, for a long time we've talked about the, you know, the self-construction of reality and how we, we participate in that. But of course, we participate in reality through consciousness and we therefore we need to have a receptivity of consciousness and a transmission of consciousness that's the merger that's the participation now what what's going to happen i think with the increasing uh world of such as the metaverse and, and that kind of immersive world is that it's an artificial construct and it's almost like a kind of mini faraday cage that it takes you out of your uh, reality world or construct that we know of, which is highly and largely organic. And then it shifts you into an artificial construct. Now, we may not notice much of a change. We put on the goggles and everything's immersive and we're moving around these virtual worlds. But in fact, your consciousness, your attention has been uh, basically hijacked and put into an artificial construct. And whilst you're there, actually your consciousness is less receptive 
or let's say your your body apparatus in your mind is less receptive to the consciousness field because you are embedded in an immersive artificial construct. And so actually it's taking us away, I would say, further away from the potential to to construct our realities. We've been placed in a, let's say, you know, an, uh, an, I say an, another reality, which is artificial. And that's why I call it the material fallacy. When we talk about the metaverse and these virtual immersive worlds, um, because we've been told that something which is not solid is less material. And, and therefore, the digital world which is coming up, we are programmed or conditioned to think of it, well, it's less material, it's a different type of world, it's more ethereal, it's more metaphysical, you know? And it's no accident that meta, that, you know, the Facebook company chose meta, because the word signifies beyond, like metaphysical. So it gives you this implication that we're moving into another realm, a beyond realm of the physical. But the way I describe it is, you, you remember the, uh, the film Inception by Christopher Nolan? I think it came out about 2010 with Leonardo DiCaprio. And this film, it's a very well-known film, is the character has to go inside a person's head, their dreaming mind. And they have to work themselves further down the dreaming levels to get more and more into the the, the deepest dreaming level to be able to plant an idea, a program. And that's what I feel is happening as an analogy, is that this artificial world construct of the metaverse is not a meta beyond into the esoteric, into these consciousness areas. It's actually further and further down into deeper levels of the dreaming mind. And that dreaming mind is, let's say, uh, non-material materiality. But of course, the metaverse... And, and the technological platform that operates it, you know, it's built on, let's say, algorithms, artificial intelligence. It's fed by electricity. These are all, these are all very physical domains. Even though we can't touch them, they're physical domains. And so it's a kind of fallacy or a kind of very illusion that we are taken further into a material domain, artificial construct. But because it's less material to the touch, less solid, we don't see it as, as being a physical realm, but it's a kind of, that's, it could be a very much a trap for us. Yeah, well, you recently had published an article entitled Extended Reality, uh, picking up these themes, but you also have used the phrase deep materialism. It almost doesn't feel like what we're describing is an extended reality. It almost seems like it's restricted in some way. Um, it's actually a narrowing of reality because as you say, it's, it's portrayed one way, but actually it's just becoming further embedded in materialism and disconnected from uh, whatever it is beyond our five senses that our, our consciousness mediates. It rather reminds me of that film, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Altered States, based on a true story actually, and involved, I can't remember the guy's name, I don't think it was John Lilly, might have been. Yes, it was, it was John John, John D. Lilly, yeah. Yeah, so basically putting himself for extended times repeatedly in a isolation flotation tank and, and taking large amounts of LSD uh, just as a way of, you know, consciousness research, really. But, you know, he almost loses his mind because of a disconnection from physical realities going somewhere that even in, in, our, in our dreams, we, we don't go where we go. We travel to, you know, non-material realms in a different way. It has a different flavor to it, uh, the dream sphere to me than either the psychedelic experience or anything that you could experience by popping a, 
you know, a virtual reality headset on. So yeah, I think you've, you've really hit the nail on the head in terms of like, this is a classic example of something being sold as something it, it clearly is not and can never be as far as I can see. Yeah. And this is, this is why I refer to these things as, um, the inversion in that, um, we've been basically sold something in a inverted way to what it really represents. And I think we're seeing that more and more in, in the live now is that I think the, the consensus narrative is trying to present more of an inversion for us, such as, you know, go down this future and it'll be better for you. Um, whereas, you know, the, that's inverted to the idea of human freedom and human free choice and, uh, you know, and cognitive liberty. Whereas, um, actually we're going to an area where we'll have less cognitive freedom, less freedom of speech. And, and of course, as you know, increased surveillance and more digital harvesting digital tracking, et cetera, et cetera. So it's actually, it's almost a kind of hijacking whereby you're taking humanity and you're trying to persuade it to leave its organic realm and into more of an artificial construct. And I see it also as a type of terraforming, you know, and you just look at what's happening across the planet now and humanity has been out of sync with its natural environment for a while, but there's been a lot of um, deliberate intentional motives and, and, um, kind of manipulations to also desync that coupling with the natural environment. And that's another area to go into. But you can see how they're trying to there's a certain agenda to try and create a replacement environment. Saying, well, things are going out of sync, etc. But we're going into a new technologized environment which is going to put everything into a new recalibration, a new reset, and everyone's going to be happy. So that's an in for my mind, that's an inversion. But also it's a kind of, uh, substitution. You know, what Philip K. Dick would call it the replicant. You know, it's not real. It's been replicated and replaced. And, um, and therefore I think when you get behind, you know, behind the lines and start looking at what the metaverse implies, what these artificial constructs imply, you realize, as you rightly said, it's, you know, it's not an extended reality. It's a kind of, um, cul-de-sac reality. Whereby once humanity is herded in there, then the kind of construct will be limiting and it then will have greater control over how we perceive reality and how we have access to that. Um, and that has very far-reaching implications. I mean, even the, the, the book and the film Ready Player One gave an indication of society where people are kind of almost addicted and compelled to be in this other artificial construct in order to maintain some semblance of a you know mediocre satisfactory living so i think we have to be very careful that this is a kind of terraforming i think that's going on and and it's an artificial construct and and all the dialogue recently about our environment and what's bad for example people talking about the, the negativity of carbon well carbon is a is for for humanity it's a life-giving substance but the inversion is it's a planet-destroying substance. So you see, symbolism, language, and everything is being inverted now. And, and I think the meta, the metaverse, meta meaning beyond, uh, implies something much more beyond our present limitations, actually is an inversion because it's a kind of artificial cul-de-sac slash Faraday cage. So yes, I mean, there are these, these narratives now completely kind of, I think, trying to turn things around and get us into a different way of thinking. Well, you mentioned a couple of movies already, and um, I suppose we can, if we're thinking back to you know popular blockbusters, you have good and 
negative sides of the generally the kind of altered alternate reality that we're talking about in the movies Avatar, and then on the other hand, the, the matrix of you know people being plugged into a virtual reality but being unaware of it or getting to the point where they become un- unaware of it. Uh, and also an early example of this similar sort of thing is a film that I don't think a lot of people know. I think it's from 1994, uh, David Cronenberg. And it's either, I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's existence with, an, with a Z on the end. So it's either existence or existence. But the main message of that, it involves virtual reality uh, gaming and, you know, people being able to live out their fantasies in this space because there are supposedly no consequences. But the central message is it gets to a certain point where the protagonists no longer know if they're in the game anymore or not. And there's one scene, spoiler alert, there's one scene towards the end where one of the players, quote unquote, shoots one of the others. There's three of them there, shoots one of them dead and then turns to the third person and said, this is still the game, right? And the idea being that we, if we get to that point, there would be no way back. We can never be completely sure. And there are other stories, you know, fictional stories that explore this. You can never be really sure what level of reality you're at anymore. You know, if it's that convincing, you know, if, if, it's, if it starts to involve tastes and smells and other five sense experiences, which is a big leap technologically, but, you know, imagine where we would be if, if that point was reached. Yeah, Greg. Interesting. You mentioned David Cronenberg. He, he's been he's been looking at this idea for for decades. And yes, I mean, if anyone's look thinking of don't look at the film Existence, I would say look at it in conjunction with Videodrome. I think his earlier film, I think ten years earlier, in eighty four, where he first had this notion of of merging between the artificial uh, world and the natural world. So Videodrome, Existence, it's this merger. And also, you mentioned Avatar. And there's, there's also other memes in Avatar because, um, Avatar also picks up what I call the, the weak body hypothesis. Now, the, the, the major, the protagonist of Avatar, the uh, American soldier, well, he's, he's, um, he's crippled. He doesn't have the use of his legs. And, and going into the Avatar gives him, you know, um, a full super strength body. So it's a sense that, and this is a, this is a, a meme or a trope that transhumanism uses. The human physical body is weak. It's inherent, has inherently inbuilt weaknesses. So we can be taken down easily by viruses, for example, <laughs> or, or certain health conditions. And, and the body needs to be technologically upgraded in order to get past these, um, you know, environmental kind of uh, dangers. And so this avatar world kind of gives again that replacement that your body doesn't have to be weak. Um, so that's that's a kind of meme there, and um, and this yeah you're right this blurring of worlds because um, you know the human senses they they need a certain kind of stimuli to be able to create their perception of reality, and like anyone if you put someone into sensory de- deprivation as you mentioned the John Lilly isolation tanks but anyone you know young children if they've been isolated into a room God forbid and spent years with sensory deprivations, they're growing up, the senses are, are, have stunted growth. And, you know, and we don't know, we don't have the full awareness of, of the, how to interact with the stimuli. So you really, you can recalibrate how we perceive reality depending on the length of time your senses have been in a certain environment. So yes, if you put your senses into a virtual goggle uh, reality, 
the the amount of time you spend in there will actually start to rewire your neurons which then will start to have a different uh, reception of, of the stimuli and you'll have a different cognitive um, apparatus. And so the longer that people spend in artificial construct, cognitively we will be more uh, rewired and, and then readapted to an uh, artificial kind of setting. And then you, that, that whole thing can snowball. Like I said, it's a type of it starts off as a, as a kind of external physical terraforming by setting up the the kind of digital uh, electro infrastructures around the world. And then the more time you spend in this material fallacy of these virtual worlds, immersive worlds, then you start to terraform your mind and your neuronal um, kind of connections. And you start to lose your grip about what exactly is reality. Because if you spend your most of your time in a particular setting, that becomes your reality. Uh, and, you know, and so who's to say what is more real? Well, of course, in terms of, you know, our bodily needs, we know what is more real. But you, there, you can see how this is switching over and it's starting now in our generation, exactly now, Greg. Well, you see the problem sometimes that people exiting the military or coming out of uh, prison, if they've been in either of those for a long time, have struggled to adjust to what they call the world outside as it were, and these are very real problems. Not everyone experiences them, of course, but they're, they're very very well documented and, and some people just can't never get over them. Uh, some people have come out of the military and ended up in prison. Um, I've spoken to, to at least one person who basically engineered it such that he, after being in prison, after a short time outside, you know, committed a crime uh, so that he would go back to prison because uh, he'd been threatened with this. You know, if this happens again, you'll be back inside, no chance of parole. And he said, well, look, it was like, you know, three meals a day. We knew what time everything happened. There was just lots of rules and restrictions. And, and we all knew where we were with that. And, you know, it's a similar story with the military. People haven't learned to make their own way, as it were. And we seek to, to move this into our topic. You see people struggling even now with computer game addiction and then having, or, you know, social media addiction and then having to grapple with going outside into the real world and dealing with real people and dealing with actual problems that you can't just switch off. And it was always part of the computer game sales pitch, you know, to be something you're not, you know, to be heroic, you know, to be a soldier, uh, you know, to be a rock star, to be a famous actor, to have lots of like, uh, you know, sexual interactions with lots of strangers, you know, these things that people dream about in their so-called real lives. I mean, you can do these as, you know, as part of a game. And now that's getting more advanced and increasing numbers of people are finding it difficult. I see this uh, actually in terms of younger people, in terms of their communication and their social skills, their ability to look after themselves, even do the simplest things, their ability to complete a general knowledge test, all of being atrophied by these developments. Yeah, there has been a kind of dumbing down, like you say, and atrophying. And in fact, this started, you know, we could you could see this, the uh, warning signs of this um more than a decade ago, and it started off in more the kind of Asian um, countries because in in, in the um, places like Japan and South Korea, they started off uh, very, very quickly to, to adopt these um, gaming kind of habits. And a lot of younger people um, became ice, socially isolated because of these gaming. I remember when I was way back working in sociology, there was cases that I looked at whereby, for example, a young couple had... Um, bought this new software game where you basically like a sims game you, you look after a baby a digital baby and you feed it and you watch it grow and they got so addicted 
uh, looking after the digital baby, they neglected their own physical baby, which died of malnutrition. And that's a horrendous story, and you can't believe it's true, but it actually happened. And um, and also in Japan, they co- I can't remember the name of it, but coined a term. A kikimori. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And these kind of bedroom people that wouldn't leave the rooms, would they? Um, and and so, what, you see, what it is also because it, it uh, kind of attaches to the personality. And, and and I think we have to be honest that, you know, especially in modern times, people have very fragile personalities because... Um, that's the way we've grown up and been socially conditioned to live more in the persona, the personality and identities. And that's another issue because, you know, identities are very heavily targeted right now, racial, social, sexual identities, because we, you know, they become part of your personality, which we can kind of, you know, adjust very quickly. And when you're in this artificial realm, then that's what you're adjusting. And because we have more fluid identities and personas, we can shift them much quicker and then go into a whole different, um, you know, that's why when a person chooses an avatar, it doesn't take them long to, you know, adopt to the, the mannerisms and behavior of the avatar, which can be completely different from their real world persona. A person can be very violent, become like a, a serial killer in a, you know, they, they unleash aspects of the personality which they felt, you know, were not able to before. And this switching of identities is being um, kind of uh, highlighted and even um, kind of supported and and um, pushed in these in these realms. And just to finish, and also we talked about films and that um, there was a book that came out a few years ago by the sci-fi writer William Gibson called The Peripheral. It's just been made into a series now, and that came out a few days ago. And that also is looking at a totally kind of immersive virtual world where you don't know what is real or what is not. And, you know, and you don't know if you've been hurt in one world, whether it affects your physical body. So these are happening now. And we still haven't got to the metaphysical kind of discussion of what these imply. And, uh, and if we don't get to those discussions, then we're going to be heralded very quickly into an environment whereby our cognitive, our perceptive, our mental and emotional um, functioning will be rather radically recalibrated probably before we realize it and at least in a generation uh, they'll be def- um, impacted well there was always saying um, the idea whether it was in the context of a dystopian fiction like 1984 or in you know 20th century totalitarian political systems in Nazi Germany communist Russia most recently, actually, China, if you see, with the, the leader going for an unprecedented third term of just total dominance. The idea was that your mind was the last bastion of free thought or privacy, that whatever happened, even with all the propaganda, for many people anyway, they couldn't get inside your mind. They couldn't read your mind. You could think what you liked. And I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but the potential we can see that already beginning to kind of crack as an idea and could there be technological elements that would would breach that barrier because that's always that's what's got some people through um horrendous experiences you know for we mentioned nazi germany you know being in the death camps and um, eventually walking out the gates what got them through was their their inner strength you know what they had on their mind and that could keep them going yes and you say mind and 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 consciousness um was always the last bastion of, of, um, having control of. 
And, um, you know, unfortunately, these agencies of um, forces and groups um, have been researching the mind for decades, and they do have a very sophisticated technology. I mean, I remember even as far back as 2008, I published a paper online called Opening Pandora's Box about psycho-civilizing society. Even then, um, military journals were openly discussing the technologies they had for using uh, bone conduction and, and radio waves for implanting vibrations into a person's head from a distance. You know, and that was, that was even around the year 2000. They had that technology openly discussing in, in military journals. So imagine what they had in black projects. Um, and so yes, they, they can get into our heads, um, through frequencies. And this is all comes back again is that when we move into a, a more, um, digital, ecosystem and that kind of construct construct you're you're shifting the frequencies and you and they you have the potential then to to some to some body or um, some groups to have more control over the frequencies of that domain and um and this is the thing which you know we start to realize now on the more the metaphysical side of it is that you know we are you know a human being you know receives and transmits on the consciousness waves we are in contact with the consciousness field and that is going to be impacted when we shift more to an artificial construct uh, such as a metaverse and also our our inherent contact uh, with consciousness is also on a par with our you know connection with what we what we may call vital energies what some people may say contact with source contact with the sacred with the divine we naturally have that contact through our vessel, our body, and through how that body operates, and through the human nervous system, and through our vibration and, and frequency signature. Now, if our frequency signature gets, um, you know, recalibrated for an artificial construct, or we are existing more in an electro smog, because that's what we're moving into now, because our Airwaves are more full of, of electromagnetic forces and we know about 5G and potentially up to 8G they're talking about. This is the kind of electro smog. So we have to ask, the more we move into this terraformed environment, how does that affect our inherent relationship and contact with our innate vital energies or source consciousness and those fields? And I think you have to see there's some you know, there could be some intention behind um, trying to detach humanity from its inherent vital contact, so therefore becomes more a more manipulatable species if you have less contact with the innate source and vital energies of the human being. That concludes part one of our interview. Part two will be available soon in the subscribers area at LegalizeFreedom.com. LegalizeFreedom.com.